Welcome to Coffee You, the only podcast that provides weekly updates and expertise from farm to cup. We practice what we preach and we live what we teach. Let's start elevating your coffee knowledge with your instructors, me, Nathan Parvin, and Brad Haynes, proud president and vice president of Baba Java Coffee. Class is officially in session. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Coffee U. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about a very special tea topic today. Specialty your, coffee. Your use of uh, the language is incredible. <laughs> I'm very gifted in that way. <laughs> so as always, we have the Vice President of Operations for Baba Java Coffee, Bradley Haynes. I feel like I need a Chicago Bulls intro. You do, man. In the 90s. Uh, glad to be here, Nathan. How are you? I'm great, man. And uh, also behind the board, Miss Rachel Parvin. How are you, ma'am? Doing well. Doing well. Our very special tea producer. That's right. Not special. Special tea. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Everything Just for this episode. Tea, though. For this episode. only for this episode. So specialty coffee. What does that mean? I just like scratched my nose. Well, but was it a pick? That's the question. Well, there was no nostril, no nostril penetration. Okay, then you're good. You're good. All right. So we are definitely keeping that. Why don't we just oh, start? We over. have to keep. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a loaded word, phrase. Specialty coffee. Yeah. What does that mean? So, I was in. Yep. So so my, our family story. went to story Miami. Now. Yeah. And we were staying at a really like a really nice hotel. And so they had a little cafe in this hotel. Right. And the food was really good there. They didn't they didn't have an espresso machine. The, okay. the espresso machine they had was like so the bar was like in the center. And mm -hmm. then on the sides there were two machines that you would so go were, and put your cook your yeah. drink in and push which kind of espresso type drink you want. Super automatic. It was so, a super automatic yeah, type yeah, machine, yeah. espresso. And so but on the on the sign on the top it said, Make your own specialty coffee. Mm. Was that specialty coffee? Well, it depends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on a lot of things. Um, well, it depends on what kind of coffee bean they were using, Nathan. Okay. So, did it taste good? It was okay. It wasn't great. Okay. Well, we can get into brewing. It wasn't Baba Java. Episode. But, um, yeah, especially coffee. I mean, a lot of people have been a lot written about that, talked about it, written again, talked about it again. Um, so in a nutshell, specialty coffee is not a drink. In a nutshell. <laughs> it's not a drink. Now, like that machine, it was probably referring to the drinks themselves being special. So basically a latte with some flavoring in it. Um, a lot of, um, uh, shops would say that they're doing specialty coffee when they really just mean the drink. So uh, specialty coffee is not gourmet okay, or premium. Okay. Or um, what's another word I'm trying to think of? I've organic? Bags. Sometimes it can be. Okay. Uh, but not awesome. All, but not no. all organic coffee is specialty. Okay. Um, you can have not, you can have, can you have non-organic specialty coffee? 
Oh, of course. Okay. Of course. And you can have organic, non-specialty coffee. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you can have organ, and you can have gourmet non-specialty coffee. Yes, and gourmet specialty coffee. I guess maybe gourmet is just a word. Yeah, it's just an adjective del- used yeah. by okay. coffee companies to make their coffee more attractive. So, so gourmet doesn't really describe coffee; it's just subjective. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, specialty coffee really is coffee that is has been given a score out of a hundred. Higher than 80. But what does that mean? So 81 to 100. <laughs> well, 80 to 100. Sorry, okay. sorry. Higher than 79. So 80 to 100. Okay. And those scores, most of that, most of those numbers are going to come from when the coffee is processed and green, so unroasted. So they, a sample is taken and, um, you know, we talked to Ruben about this a little bit and with him, but a sample of that coffee is taken and it's inspected and, to, I mean, really inspected heavily to see are there defects, and we can talk about that later. But if, if, if after all of that inspection and even roasted and cupped and tasted, um, that coffee is given a score. And if it's 80 to 100, then it is considered specialty coffee. So there, it, it is an objective way of, uh, it's an objective standardized scoring system so that people know what they're buying and and farmers can label it as specialty coffee so but again what is all that yeah <laughs> right? what does that mean and we're going to talk about each step along the way exactly what does that mean exactly. to the farmers how does that exactly. benefit the farmers and then we'll talk about that right. objective standard that right. brad just talked about right so the term specialty coffee uh, it started in this coffee journal all the way back in 1974, um, this lady by the name of Erna Newston used that term to describe a certain type of coffee that was um, grown and harvested and purchased in a more of an ethical way where the farmer was given a um, fair price for his coffee. He wasn't basing it on the, the, the market price. So... And not only that, but the flavors, the taste coming out of that were much better than what was, for example, being bought off the grocery store shelf. So, um, and then what happened there is you had third wave coffee buyers come in several years later and start buying this coffee and roasting it and selling it in their shops and those type of things. So, so you just mentioned third wave coffee. What, what does that yeah. mean? Well, and when I'm talking about waves, I'm talking about modern um, coffee industry. So your first wave of coffee really is when coffee came to the U.S. and became something that was you could purchase off the grocery store shelf. So um, you're going to talk a lot about that in your history of uh, coffee, I'm sure. But um, when coffee was readily available to the public, we're talking you know, 1900s, early to mid 1900s. Um, that's what's considered first wave coffee. So then you had companies like Maxwell House, Folgers, who would buy all these, buy literally tons and tons of coffee and bring them to the States, roast them in huge batches, grind them down, make them into instant, make it into the canisters, you know, those old metal canisters that we all know and oh, love. I remember those well. And um, make it available for U.S., 
consumers. That's what's considered first wave. Uh, then you have second wave, which kind of started with Pete's Coffee out in the West um, in the 80s. They, they kind of started, what they did is they took the coffee house model that was already popular in Europe and brought that to the States, right? So they, and Starbucks as well, Caribou Coffee is also kind of included in some of that. But they all started out on the West Coast, and they wanted to make, they did more of a direct source purchasing model. They didn't, um, you know, buy it from large cooperatives that were, you know, taking a huge cut from the farmer. They were going more to these smaller people, but they were still buying lots of coffee, of course. But their goal was to bring the coffee house model from Europe to the States and make, you know, flavored lattes, I think, cappuccinos, you know, what we know today as uh, the coffee shop. Um, it was, it's, you know, in the U.S., it's still a relatively new thing. Um, you know, well, I guess I'm dating myself, but, you know, 40, a little over 40 years old. So um, that was that's what's considered second wave. And then third wave um, was when you had smaller coffee companies like us, small roasters, who went even more intentional with their coffee buying. So they're going directly to the farmer or even the small cooperatives who are um, doing small batches. I mean, smaller farms, they're roasting in smaller amounts. And then either they have a coffee shop themselves like us, or they're selling to coffee shops and um, they're taking, basically it's, they're taking more care and pride into their coffee preparation than say some of the second wave companies. So, um, you know, one thing that has been kind of a, um, sort of looking for a, uh, kind of a key thing for third wave has been espresso. So, uh, before third wave, most people use the Italian kind of Italy model of espresso, which is seven grams of coffee in the basket, the portafilter. Uh, to get one ounce of coffee out, 30 grams of coffee out. So, and then you just basically double that for a double shot. Well, third wave coffee uh, shops found that if you did more coffee in the basket and did less coffee out, you actually got a better flavor out of it. Now, th th even since then, there's been variations on that done. Everyone has their own opinion, of course, of what good espresso is. That's even sure. pretty subjective. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of first, second, third wave. And, you know, we're still in the third wave. I don't know what fourth wave is going to be, but, um, hopefully we'll be part of it though. Oh yeah. I, I want to be a part of it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we had, so we have first, second and third wave. So, yeah. so where does that leave specialty coffee now? So, so yeah, was specialty coffee again, it wasn't invented. The term wasn't even coined until 1974. Yeah, right, right, right. So it couldn't have been first wave. <laughs> right. So. Where, where does it fit in the second and third wave? Yeah. So, well, on the, so that's, you know, we have, when you're looking at, especially coffee, you can't, you kind of have to look at, you know, there's kind of like five basic, not basic, but five parts of the coffee chain, right? So you have the farmer, you have the person who buys it, which that could be a couple of people. Then you have the coffee roaster. And then you have the cafe that prepares it. And then you have the consumer. Now, sometimes the cafe's cut out if you, sell directly but you have four to five people in that chain okay and so specialty coffee wants to impact every single 
part of that chain. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So when you're looking at like commodity coffees like Maxwell House, they're not overly concerned with, I don't want to say they're not concerned with the farmer because I'm sure they are, but they're not overly concerned with making sure that they're getting the best coffee because they're more concerned with the bottom line, right? So they're more concerned with selling a cheaper coffee that they can make the most profit on. And that also means they're not overly concerned with the consumer, right? They Again, they they probably think their coffee's good and it's fine. If Only like from that. the marketing side, probably about exactly. how they can sell it to the exactly. consumer. So from folks like us, we're concerned with every single point in that chain. And yeah. again, as we will say it a hundred thousand times, we're, we're excellence from farm to cup. So we want every single hand that touches that to be doing it the right way and to be doing it according to what our values are as a company as well. So I think I ranted a little bit. Sorry, Rachel. Oh, that's good stuff. Um, what happened is um, when the second and third wave started, um, they kind of needed a way. There really, there really was no standardization on coffee, like how – how do I know this one's good and this one's not? How do I know the growing techniques by this farmer are good versus this guy over here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in 1982, this group of coffee professionals got together and basically said, we need a way of standardizing coffee because we want to impact all five of these um, points. How do we do that the best? Well, so they created what we now know as Specialty Coffee Association. Now, at that time, it was Specialty Coffee Association of America, and because um, it was the only one there was was in the states, and so they started that, and um, and that's what we use today to standardize coffee scoring, um, and tasting, and uh, green coffee grading is done through them and the Coffee Quality Institute. So. Um, you know, I was in 1982 and then in London, they started a European version in the late nineties. And then several years ago, they all got together and said, Hey, why don't we just, there's no reason to have especially coffee association of America and Europe. Why don't we just come together? And then we have, we cover the whole globe. So, um, they were all using the same standards anyway. So they, uh, they span the globe now from every anywhere coffee's grown and consumed. So, so, so how do they make sure it's standardized then? Yeah, so um, well, that starts at the farm level. So there's so many things that affect what coffee does, how it's grown, how it's produced. I'm talking to uh, our friend Andrew uh, over in the Middle East, and he was telling me that um, he was at a place, and they asked him to come uh, see if their coffee's any good. And he, he said the first thing he always does is, take a soil sample. And he said, your soil's bad. You're not going to be able to, he said, you can grow coffee, but it won't be, it won't be specialty. So that's like the main, that's the first thing. If your soil's not great, you know, we'll, we'll bring on people who know more about that than us. Uh, we'll, yeah. We don't, we don't, yeah, I don't definitely. know anything about that. So. So I don't either, but I know that's very important and when you're growing anything, of course. So you got to have good soil. And then, um, and then the farmer himself has to make sure he's, cultivating the plant properly. Um, and even, I know, I know I've, I've been told of farmers that grow specific fruits and things around, um, their coffee 
plants so that they can help with flavor, right? So, cause you know, we know about the bees, bees got to, they pollinate. So they're going to take cross pollinate. Yeah, exactly. So that can help with flavor, um, in your, in your coffee. So you got to have a good farmer who knows what he's doing and can cultivate it. And, um, and you got to have good harvesters who can pick good cherries, right? And all the way to the mill that's going to, I mean, you got to have good processing method. And we can talk about that as well, uh, what those are. So, I mean, again, you're looking at every single chain and you got to have a buyer who's going to be willing to pay what that coffee's worth once it's scored. And then you got to have a good roaster who's going to do a good job of roasting it and bringing out the best flavors of that coffee. And then you need to have good brewing techniques that are going to, um, accentuate what the roaster's done. So, so how do we at Baba Java, you said we want to impact all five levels yeah. of the process. How do, how do we make sure we're impacting all five levels? Um, yeah, we talked about this in the sourcing, um, episode, but, um, again, making sure we're buying from, um, uh, people who are, well, number one, they got to have good coffee. <laughs> That's yeah. important. Um, and it has to be, spe- we, we won't even look at it. If it's right. Right. And it has to be specialty. So like Ruben said, when he gets a, sh- you know, when we are looking for coffee, they're always going to send, they call it an offer sheet. Sometimes it's on the website. Sometimes they send it to us. Um, but they're going to send us an offer sheet and then, uh, they're always going to have a score. Most of them have a score next to them and that's their specialty score. So, um, and that's from the sample of the green. Right. Okay. Right. Right. And so, um, most of these, most of the people we use or everyone we use, uh, they only do specialty coffee. So, right. Um, they're not going to sell commodity coffee at all. But, um, so we're looking at scores, we're looking at tasting notes and we're looking at price of course is a huge part of that. But, uh, and then making sure that that coffee buyer is fairly, is treating the farmer and the co-op fairly. So they're buying it at a fair price. And so, um, and that's, you know, that's how we, you know, again, part of it is trusting the other person. There's a level of trust you have to build there. And, um, if we like what they do and we like the coffee and then, you know, we partner with them and, and bring their coffees in. All right. So that's, that's those two steps. So that's yeah. the farm and that's the sourcing. So yeah, what's right. the next step? So the next step is roasting. So we, we, um, we have to sample roast it. So, uh, Ruben does most of that. Uh, myself, even Josh, uh, do some of the sample roasting. Um, we sample on an Ikawa. So shout out to Ikawa. We thank you very much. Um, we use an Ikawa roaster for sampling. Uh, it's a fantastic little roaster. It can go anywhere. It just has to be plugged into the wall. Um, but we sample on that and then we let it rest at about 24 hours at least, sometimes 48 hours. Um, and then we um, taste it. So we cup it. Ruben talked about that, cupping it. We also brew it as a pour over um, because we also want to know what the customer is going to taste because the customer is not going to taste the cupping method. They're going to taste um, the pour over. And if it's an espresso, if it's going to be coffee used for espresso, we'll also brew it on that as an espresso as well uh, to get that flavor note. So we'll, what we do is we taste it. We think about what notes are there. And then sometimes you can even say, ah, it is fruity, but I think more could be brought out of it. And then, so 
kick Reuben in the pants and say, bring me more fruit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, but you know, we talk about that and some, you know, if it's with the term is underdeveloped, if the flavor is not as bold as we want it to be, then there are things he can do on the roast side to bring more of those out. Okay. So that's step three. Yeah. What's the next step? So if we like it, we buy it. So okay. then we come to Nathan hat in hand and say, please, sir. Now we, we, you know, we, we buy most of the time we're buying, it depends on the coffee, but most of our purchases tend to be in the 10 bag range. Um, because we normally don't buy coffees. We don't want to sell for a while. Um, so we're buying bags. Um, and it depends on the coffee. Now, like with Yemen, we usually pre buy that. So we buy it even before it leaves, uh, Yemen. Um, some coffees we buy, of course, when they're here in the States, uh, just depends on what we need. But, uh, coffee in uh, Yemen and China, actually, we, we pre-purchased those because it takes so long to get here mainly. So we buy those and they get here and then we go into production roasting with that. So then we go to our uh, 12 kilo probat and Ruben and the roasting team get busy, uh, roasting it up for everybody. So we have certain standards for roasting, right? Uh, Ruben's in charge of that. Right. And then, and then once it's roasted, yeah. Then what? Then we, uh, yeah, we, we put it on shelves and we put it behind the bar to be brewed. Um, Rachel and her team do a great job of letting everyone know on social media that it's available. Um, and if you're a Baba Java subscriber, you get a free four ounce bag of any new coffee that comes in. So keep that in mind. Shameless plug. That's right. Um, but yeah, we're, you know. And the Baba Java subscribers are called Baba Java Coffee Insiders. That's right. That's right. You get, so you get inside you get, deals, you get inside promotions, you get special perks that others don't. Correct. That's very true. And that four ounce bag of coffee is one of those for yeah. sure. Um, okay. So I meant to ask you this. I'm so yeah, sorry. That's okay. Um, how do we determine whether we're going to use a coffee as espresso or as like drip? It's a very good question. Well, it actually started when Baba Java was born back in 2018, we knew we had to have an espresso blend. Um, and that's another discussion on blending and all that. But basically what a blend allows you to do is to keep consistency. So when you have a, if your espresso is a single origin coffee, it can change as it sits in the hopper and as it ages daily. But if you have a blend and it's more than one coffee together, um, it's hard to explain a little bit in a short time, but basically it's more consistent. So, and even the espresso blend, we, we roast it just a tad darker. It's still not considered dark roast, um, but it is just a tad darker than our other coffees, mainly because uh, most people, when they're wanting espresso, they're wanting some, some sort of chocolate note in it. And we also want it to have, for us personally, we want a little bit of fruit in it. And so we buy coffees specifically for that flavor profile. So when we first started, we knew we wanted some chocolate and fruit in our espresso. So we, we bought coffees that we thought would do that. And, um, and then naming it was quite the, uh, challenge. Cause what do you name your espresso? It's, it's going to be your house blend. We didn't want to just call it house blend. It's 
kind that's of boring. boring. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So actually, I, I can't say that I came up with this on my own. So I got to. Um, so one of the first third wave shops um, that really did had did a great job of sourcing directly and roasting well uh, was called Stumptown Roasters, and they named their house blend after the, uh, the their first coffee shop was um, was a hair salon, and they, so they called it Hairbender. So I thought that was kind of a cool way to that name cool. your espresso. So we named ours after your first address of uh, the address that you guys were living in. Uh, Y'all lived on Ridge, Ridge Pass. Pass, and so we decided to call it the Ridge Blend. And it's been a staple in our shop since then, and everybody loves it. And the coffees in it have changed slightly, of course, but um, initially it was an Ethiopia Sadama, and I think it was a Honduran coffee. I can't remember. It's been I think so. Ago. Uh, but now it's an Ethiopia... Um, Shot, Romeo, right? uh, Romeo, and then a Brazilian coffee now. Okay. So, anyway, but the flavor profile is basically the same um, as the original. So, okay, it shouldn't change. So, literally, we've heard of, and we talked about this before, but we literally started roasting in my yeah. garage. Like we've, yeah, we heard about all these companies that we're the apple of coffee started in their garage, right. but we literally were roasting in my garage, hundred percent. And so uh, I remember it was, Ridge Blend. Uh, it was funny because we started in like October of 18. And um, we need a shout out to a former employee, Jacob Catlett, if you're listening to this. We miss you, man. But Jacob and Ruben and myself would stand down there in the basement. And I remember it got so cold down there <laughs> in December. Now this is January. Alabama. It gets cold in Alabama. I, it was sometimes. <laughs> it was so cold. Thankfully, we had the roaster there. It would keep us warm. Um and we had to leave the, the garage door open because of the exhaust of the roaster. So, uh, But it was fun times learning how to roast on that thing. So, yeah, we started roasting in 18. And, uh, um, again, making sure really concerned with quality and making sure we are getting specialty coffee and that all the coffees we buy um, are impacting the farm all the way to the consumer. And Ruben did mention we were using a larger coffee produ- a buyer, one of the bigger ones, uh, but they were still doing it the right way. Um, but they can't be, you know, it's hard, you know, as we know, when co- companies get big, it's really hard to continue with the same quality. Yeah, it is with any company. Yeah. So they try, and I think they do a pretty good job for being as big as they are um, for impacting the farm. But we um, we started moving to more smaller coffee buyers and um, because they can, they do a better job of that just because they're smaller, which makes sense. So um, now we're, you know, we use just three or four coffee buyers. So trying to keep it as direct as we can to the source. Yeah, our, our goal is to, is to eventually have all direct sourced coffee. Correct. Correct. Uh, and or, and or with uh, like valued companies like Cafe Creole. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, Cafe Creole, um, uh, Andrew Nicholson out in, in Oman with Windrose Coffee, and um, Unon Coffee Traders, for sure, yeah. our three best uh, direct source partners. So, yeah, it's it's been great. I mean, we're, you know, like you said, we're still learning every day, and coffee's um, 
especially coffee industry, of course, is changing a lot um, with rising shipping costs and shipping delays. And, you know, we had that frost in Brazil that hurt a lot of farmers there. So getting Brazilian coffee has been a challenge. Uh, thankfully, Joey's done a great job of doing that and helping us with that. So so we talked about roasting. Yeah. That was our, our, our fourth component. Third, our third. Oh, a third. So that's what's okay. the so what's the fourth component? So fourth component is brewing, um, and that's either done at our at a coffee shop like ours or at home, and um, that plays a huge part in the coffee process because you can take a really good coffee, and if you don't brew it properly, you're not. I mean, it'll still be good, but we, you know, the goal is to get the most flavor out of your cup every single time. So. For us, I'll talk about Baba Java, you know, when we first opened, I wanted to have coffee machines that made the best coffee. And so not only that, I wanted machines that allowed our baristas to be interactive with customers and to be able to do other things, um, especially when it came to pour over coffee. I, I know we wanted to do pour overs because we wanted to be able to accentuate our single origin coffees and, um, but I didn't want a barista just standing over a pour. Yeah, it takes a lot. It's three. Yeah, it minutes. takes a long time just yeah. to do it. Yeah. And especially if you have multiple ones, right. I, I know one of the leading guys in the industry is named Scott Rowell. Uh, he's famous for saying if he walks into a coffee shop and he sees a barista doing a pour over, he walks right out. <laughs> Which makes sense. I mean, you know, if you have one person doing one job, that's fine, but rarely is a barista doing just one thing. Right. So of course. It's very difficult to be concentrated on a pour over but then you can also talk to people and make a espresso. So um, I saw this great machine called the Poor Steady and reached out to them. And it's been a great machine to have in our shop because um, it does, it creates great pour overs. It automates all the things that a human would mess up. Right. But we still get control over it because we're able to tell it how many pours to do water temperature, and all so the factors. On. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All the things. But it that, makes it more consistent. Exactly. Instead all, of having different baristas right. doing different things, right? It is consistent. Consistent. And that's the key, right? So I'm a baseball nerd and played baseball. And my one of my coaches in college said, uh, "The best thing about pitching, or the way to be a great pitcher, is repetition, repeating the same pitch over and over." And that's the same in coffee. To get a great cup of coffee, you got to be consistent. It's really so, the same with any discipline. Very true. Any discipline you do, it's yeah. it's, it's consistent, yeah. repetitious exactly. performance. Just doing the same, right? Excellent things over and over 100%. and over again. Well, and even uh, when customers come in and they ask me about doing pourers at home, and I always tell them, I say, "Do you have a scale?" And a lot of times they'll say, "No." I say, "If you want better coffee at home, get a scale. It doesn't have to be anything fancy." Go to Walmart, just get a kitchen scale, put it in your kitchen. That's all you need. And if you need one, we sell them. We on sell them at website. Baba Java as well. Um, but if you have a scale, you'll make consistent coffee every time. So all you have to do is weigh the coffee before you brew it and then weigh it, at, weigh the water as you're pouring it. You'll get the same cup every time. Or if you want to experiment, it gives you the ability to do that. So, um, So for us, that was the big one was making sure that Pour-overs were done well, and then we wanted a great batch brewer, and I saw this machine that won the SCA Product of the Year in 2000, 
17, I think. Ellie, I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that. Um, I think it was 17. But um, it was called the Ground Control, and it has this amazing vacuum t- technology that brews um, two to three liters at a time. And I was like, we got to have that. And so makes great batch brew coffee. It even takes like three-week-old coffee that we put in there, and you wouldn't even know it. It tastes so good. So, um, And then all the way around to this espresso machine, you know, we wanted machines that made good coffee, that baristas were easy to use. We started with the Slayer and then um, have now moved to La Marzocco Linea. And uh, all along those, every single one of those, again, my goal, our goal, not just mine, but even Abby, our head barista, was make sure we're making the best coffee we can every time. And the customer has the same experience. You know, if they get a pour over one day, a batch brew the next, or an espresso the next day, or all three in one day, <laughs> um, that they're going to have a great experience with each one. And then we also want the consumer at home to have a excellent exactly. coffee experience also. Exactly. And part of the education program with Coffee U is being able to eventually show you how to brew coffee right. the best to get the best flavor out of the out of your baba java coffee or whatever yeah. coffee you're brewing yeah but m- hopefully baba java coffee um with the best so you can get the best flavor out of it get taste those notes out of it of just i mean god made that coffee yeah. and we had a lot of people along the way that worked really hard on yeah. it and we want to make it the best it can exactly be. well if you go right now we have a, if you go to vimeo.com slash baba java coffee there are two Maybe through, well, there's one that's in About Us, but there are two, uh, three brewing demonstrations on there. Two by Abby. There's an AeroPress and a pour over. And then you actually just see my arms, but it's a Turkish <laughs> instruction as well. So, And we'll have more of those in the next few months. Definitely. Definitely. So if you're interested in those three brewing techniques, um, check out that website. So we want so we want to brew it the best right. based on the coffees. Exactly. Whether it's batch brew, whether it's... Uh, pour over mm-hmm. whether it's um another type of drip mm-hmm. uh, like home home-based drip yeah. machines yeah. Yeah. or espresso right drinks yeah we want them all to be the best in in the shop we want it to be consistent and then at home we want it to be right. consistently good right and that's a good transition to the consumer so that last part of the, of the chain you know we want the customer to have a great experience whether they're come to baba java or whether they go home with a bag of coffee so making sure that they're educated on what good coffee should taste like and making sure that uh, they're informed about what the coffee is um, as well and making sure our even our team at Baba Java Coffee is educated to where they can um, help customers if they have questions. So, And we want to make sure that the customer is being charged a fair price for what they're getting as well. So that goes, again, spans all the way from the farm to to the cup that the consumer drinks. So let's review a little bit. Yeah. Specialty coffee means? Specialty coffee means coffee that has been quality controlled and scored in 80 or above to 100 by the Specialty Coffee Association and the Quality Coffee Quality Institute. So Ruben mentioned a Q grader, which we'll talk more about that, but a Q, someone who is CQI certified has tested that coffee and has given it a score of 80 or above. So, and that takes special effort by the 
farmers Definitely. on the farms at Definitely. the right altitude, at the right temperature, right. the right growing conditions, the right soil, all those conditions yep. have to come together For to sure. make those specialty coffee. For it has sure. to be harvested in the correct way. Right. right. And then once it's harvested in the correct way, yeah. the green gets graded mm-hmm. based on the quality of the beans. And if it's eight or above, it's considered specialty coffee grade. Right. The farmers can then market that as specialty coffee. Right. And we, we, of course, will only consider specialty coffee. Whatever grade they make, if they make high, the higher the grade, the more they can more they can charge, in general, yeah. they can charge for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because especially just because it's higher grade doesn't mean it necessarily tastes better. I mean, they can have lots of good uh, oh, that's flavors even in, you know, in the 80s. That's very true. 80s versus high 80s versus yeah, 90s. Yeah. But, but they can... They can they can charge more yeah, for it right. generally in general if it's That's the true. higher the higher the grade is. Very true. So we source excellent coffee based on the grade, based on where it's come from, based on relationships with the farmers. We as a company want to provide the best. We want the best coffee at the best. We obviously we're a business. We want to have it at the best price. Right. But we want the farmer to make a a, a wage that's. That's fair to him and his community. We want to impact the farmers. We want to impact the farms. We want to impact their communities. So we want them to have a fair wage, Mm -hmm. not just not just the cheapest wage that they that that we can get. We're business. We're going to look for the best value. Yeah, but we're not necessarily looking for the cheapest price. Like some right, of course, right. You want best value for the quality. That's right. right. If someone that's what we're looking for. We've had people send us coffees that have producer has said this coffee scored in 86 for example which is actually pretty high you know when you come to specialty coffee if you get coffees in the high 80s low 90s i mean that's that's excellent that's stuff. really yeah. good i mean you rarely see anything in the mid 90s or above it's so if I, if they're sending us we had this i'm not going to names or anything but we had a guy send us some coffees um and he said it was scoring in the mid 80s i was like we'll try it i mean that sounds great and and we roasted that so many times at different profiles and we just couldn't get, I mean, everything we tried, we were like, there's no way this is in the eighties. So mid eighties. So sometimes, you know, that's why it's important to roast it yeah, and, roast and, it and, and taste, taste it. it because, um, someone might say that's this, but you, you know, you got to make sure all along the chain that it's being, um, all five of those exactly factors. are being impacted. Well, yeah. So, uh, I, it's funny you, you talk about harvesting. I have a funny story. Well, it's, it's not my story. It's Andrew's, but um, I'm going to tell it anyway because yeah, I think it's pretty He's not here to tell it. That's right. So um, Andrew Nicholson with Windrose Coffee in, in Muscat, he was telling me a story. When they first started helping uh, coffee farmers in Yemen, uh, they would go and, you know, Yemen has super high mountains, super high elevation. We're talking 8,000 feet and higher i mean it's really high and mountains are really steep so he goes and he notices that these farmers are basically stripping the trees bare so they're harvesting ripe and unripe cherries and everything in between because they think that's going to give them the most weight because you know coffee's purchased by weight so he says if i have all this coffee here it's weighs this much i'm going to get the most money from that well andrew basically went and said no if you harvest only the ripe cherries, you will get more money for your coffee because it'll be a better quality and it actually weighs more as it gets riper. And so they started doing that. And then Andrew said, uh, after they harvested, he actually and processed and Andrew roasted some and tasted it to him. He said that they were 
surprised because they thought that Andrew had put like fruit juice in their coffee. <laughs> that it yeah. was so good. Yeah. And all he did was help them harvesting. Yeah. So even a small change like that can make a huge difference in the quality that you're getting just by picking ripe cherries and not picking unripe cherries. So it can be small things like that can make a big impact in in not only the the quality of the coffee, but those farmers' lives. I mean, because now they're getting more money for their coffee than they were before. And so they were, of course, very happy about that. So so we use our sources. We buy the right coffee. Mm-hmm. We, we, we get it. We get samples. We sample roast it. Yeah. We cup it and taste it. Yeah. We find the right profile and the right ones that yeah. we want. Correct. And then we order coffee. Mm-hmm. It's we we order it for either from the farm, from the co-op, or from the from the broker. Right. Um, we want as close to the source as possible mm-hmm. to have the most impact on the fa- on the farms right. and the communities. Yeah. Uh, then we then we roast it. Mm. Then we brew it, mm-hmm. and then we. Teach, it. We serve it and teach people how to enjoy it. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the best things, one of the things I love most about Baba Java is when we have all that excellent coffee from all those steps along the way, mm-hmm. all those five sectors we talked yeah. about, and then you get the coffee and you drink it and it's so good and it yeah. just makes you so happy and it just makes your day a yeah. lot brighter. It's uh, just 100%. such a great experience. And we get to experience that every day. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's, you know, if you're in Birmingham, we of course want you to come see us. But if you're not and you're looking for a coffee shop, that's something when you go into a place, you should experience all of that, right? So in a specialty coffee shop, you should experience all five of those things, in my personal opinion. Yeah, agreed. I, I, the, 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 te- the, the people who are working there should be able to explain to you their coffee, where it's from, a little bit of a house roasted. I know the, not everybody's going to know exactly the roast profiles and those things. That's okay. But at least tell you if it's light, medium, dark, you know, give you some generalities and be able to brew it well and to serve it in a, we, I would say, in a special way. I mean, in a kind way. A special tea, tea way. way. Right, Rachel? Yeah. So uh, hopefully a specialty shop is covering all those things and it's evident in what they do that they're touching all five of those aspects. So we want people to enjoy their coffee, their special tea coffee. Nice. Yeah. Correct. As always. Uh, it just it brightens everyone's day. It brings people together. Mm-hmm. It just makes the world a better place. Yeah. And I mean, coffee is a very relational product, right? And it's very community driven. And, um, even if the farm is a thousand miles away, you can still impact a community by buying coffee that is a specialty graded coffee. So, so thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks Brad yes. for a lot of information. That's great stuff. Yeah, I mean, we'll be covering all aspects, especially, I mean, this is really just a kind of an intro. Yeah. Just intro, intro to specialty coffee. Yeah. Um, enjoy our special tea coffee that's right com. come in and visit us we'd love to talk to you oh yeah thanks for joining us today we hope you learned something uh we want to provide more educational resources so that everyone can can enjoy this as much as we do Uh, we want to help our customers and our consumers Mm -hmm. and our fan our coffee fans to just enjoy coffee the best they can enjoy it it's made god made it so that we can enjoy it and Mm -hmm. we want you all to and we want to be a part of just a small part of that and thanks again for, for joining us. We hope you'll listen and watch next time. 
And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. Have a special tea day. Spe- have a special tea day. That's I really awesome. just, I like really that. just had to drive it home there. <laughs> nice job.